0: listening to episode 215 of sci-fi tv rewatch my name is dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we look at the first episode of the netflix genre series the oa and dude this show has taken me down a road i did not expect to traverse and
1: i'm calling it a genre show what do we call it i mean yeah definitely genre i mean but it it took a while to kind of get there in episode one But ultimately we see there is like some supernatural stuff going on here. So, so yeah, I call it a genre show for sure. Okay. I mean, I figured that was the easy label rather than trying to
0: pinpoint it as sci-fi or fantasy or supernatural or, and, and that's fine. It certainly can be a composite of more than one thing.
1: Sure. I think whenever um, we have been unable to really label something, we just call it genre in general and that kind of covers it. So we're good. Yeah. So as
0: we said, we're going to talk about the OA tonight. Next week, we're going to take a look at Star Trek Discovery, which will air on CBS. And as we've mentioned before, it's going to air over the air for free for the pilot. And then after that, you've got to subscribe to CBS All Access, which I just can't see doing. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe the show is going to be that good, but
1: you know, like, yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if you've, read anything but CBS has put out this review embargo and, and look most shows give you an embargo date that they say we don't want you to review it until this now that doesn't necessarily uh, include spoiler free reviews which plenty of websites including Den of Geek do all the time where they review the show before it airs but they don't really give away any details CBS has said no reviews whatsoever. You print something, you're done with CBS access. Oh, well, who gives a shit, right? <laughs> I don't well, be like, but, oh no. Okay, but what is it, <laughs> But what does that tell you about the show and how they see the show?
1: Yeah, uh, it might, it's not very good. Exactly. Yeah, probably not very good. Exactly. So I, I don't know. If it was I mean, good. I yeah, had, right. If it were good, like they'd want it out there because people would be saying how good it is and so they'd be just generating more viewers right but if they're forbidding yeah. people to say anything about it yeah it must really I, I don't i mean i don't want i don't want to form any opinions beforehand but you know clearly the I, uh the network is not too high on this thing so you know we're going to talk about it next week so
0: you know we'll let you guys know what we think but you guys can let us know what you think uh send us an email sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com Check out the website, leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip, send us the MP3, or tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. And as always, we'd encourage you to consider
1: joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. Now, I don't know if or you've been following the fa- You can gather or. five people in an abandoned house and then tell us your story. Absolutely. And and uh, now before we we'll hold off on
0: that for a second because I. It, because I I think we need to come clean as to how much each of us have seen, okay? And, and well, we'll get to that in a second.
1: Buffy the Vampire Slayer, dude, I'm in season I two. See, man, I, I, look, now that you're like retired, you are just cranking out shows like crazy, man. You're like experiencing this that. whole TV renaissance. I know, but I, I guess I'm really
0: surprised, and I know so many people told me how good Buffy is, and the Interesting thing is they all said just get through season 1. Season 1's not that good. Well, it had a couple episodes that were less than good, but I really enjoyed all of them. And when you really start breaking down the show, it it really is good and you know, as you mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it, the kids at the time it aired were really hyped up about the show and and it's not a surprise why. Now, did they really understand the depth of the show? No, but damn it, I wish I'd have been watching it then, as I'm sure you do, because we could have talked about it and come up with some writing assignments about it that they <laughs> might not have hated.
1: Uh, unfortunately, it's is like this kind of thing where I'm just always out of touch with the, you know, not out of touch with them, but like, we're just not watching the same things. Yeah. Right.
0: Now, it's become increasingly easier, as you mentioned to, to me tonight before we came on the air. Uh, it's not uncommon in any class whether english probably math science whatever you look up you go back to a kid you see his head down he's got his ipad or his phone and he's watching something on netflix yeah so we do get a sense of what they're watching sure. and obviously with netflix it could it might as well be something new as something old
1: but still like you said we're probably not watching it but they're as watching well. like but full house and stuff for fuller house Dude, there's nothing you can do that's going to get me to watch that show.
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, that's only because they've already watched all the episodes of uh what's the doctor show with McDreamy? God, I came. Oh, Grey's and, Anatomy? You know, the, the, Grey's Anatomy.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. All right, let's not go too far off the uh, deep end here. So let, let's get back said, to the OA. You know, McDreamy rather than Patrick Dempsey. But yeah. Right. And and you know what? I, what I found out about Patrick Dempsey is he is a race car driver? I mean, he he drives the big cars. Uh-huh. He drove at Le Mans and LMP, which I mean, dude, those things are going 200 miles an hour. And there was a four part documentary that followed him, you know, as he drove the 24 hours. You know, they they have a three man team uh-huh. right in these races, and well, I, I mean, I, I didn't I'm, know I'm that. Sh- I'm just
1: going along with like
0: I'm shocked the network allowed it to be quite honest. Really? But anyway. All right, well let's get back to the OA okay. on Netflix. and this one dropped on December sixteenth, two thousand and sixteen. We're we planned to talk about episode one oh one homecoming, but th- what happened with Sensate and my wife, which was I watched episode one, intending only to watch episode one. When she gave me the death stare, we watched episode two. Well, the same thing happened with the OA, except in three days I've seen all eight episodes. That's how it happens, man. Now, you've seen the first two. Yeah. So we're going to kind of limit it to that. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. There there are a few things I do want to bring up, but it's I I really love this show. And and it's got a point where, you know, is it slow in some points? I think we both agree, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: wow, painfully slow.
0: Well, first, I'm especially. I'm not sure I would say painfully slow.
1: But. At, at first, yeah, I, it, it was noticed, like, when I notice it, when when I, like, write in my notes, this show is, the pace of this show is very slow, then it's slow. Now, is that a bad thing, though, is the question, right? Because okay. it's not necessarily a bad thing. I am not, like, so much, like, of a 21st century person that I have to say, I need everything bam, bam, bam. You know, one thing, cut, 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 one thing on top of the other. I don't I don't need that. I appreciate the artistry of of sometimes the slow burn. But when you notice it, that's when it's maybe going a little too slow. Okay. And I noticed and, it. And, of course, you really love The Leftovers.
0: And part of it, for me, was not, not as much the slowness of it, but the darkness of it. And, and, and again, I think I made it as far as I did. I'll, I'll watch the end at some point. But having said that you about watched
1: the last season of Leftovers, well, it was so good. Well, I know,
0: I know, but with the OA, you know, it does move a bit slowly. I mean, it's certainly not an action filled series by any stretch. No. It's certainly more of a psychological drama, but it, it does pick up and, and, and things do happen and we do get reveals along the way. So, Again, before we get into that, this one was written by Zao Batmanglish and Britt Marling, who plays... Britt Marling plays Prairie Johnson, the OA. And I saw her in a movie oh, called... Oh,
1: really? She wrote it?
0: Yeah, yeah. The two of them, he directed it. And, and he also directed Wayward Pines, a number of episodes of that. But this is the third collaboration for these two. And it has been renewed for a second season titled Part 2, uh, The series we're talking about has eight episodes. But as I said, she was in a movie called Another Earth, which was really kind of a cool movie that I think flew really below the radar, where suddenly a parallel Earth appears in the sky. And, you know, the the whole idea of, uh, you know, parallel realities is certainly, you know, broached in that movie. It was pretty cool, it was pretty odd. And in trying to search for it, I'm finding it's more and more difficult to find these days. I don't even remember where it was that I saw it when uh, Hmm. I did. But anyway, so for me, some initial thoughts. I mean, it it certainly seems as if the OA, and that is what Prairie refers to herself as after she comes back from her seven-year walkabout, everybody assumed she'd been kidnapped or, right. or worse, which she kind of was. Which she kind of was, right? And she refers to herself as the O.A., but it certainly seems as if she's referring to traveling to a different dimension,
1: right? Because she's jumping off the bridge and she's saying, "I have to get back to them" or something, right? Right. Which, again, you know, when you when you look at the show and and I've seen all
0: of it. I mean, it certainly. Contains elements of a show like Lost, where it relies heavily on flashbacks as part of the narrative. It really has more of a storytelling component, though, that we see at the end of tonight's episode of, of this first episode, Homecoming. But the first question that I have is you know, what is it about that YouTube video that she posts that connects with these five? Right because that's we don't cute. really see the whole video but yeah. there's something about it and it's just her eye i mean that's all we see right so it would really be interesting if we ever which i'm guessing we don't uh, get to see that whole video and and what it is that really you know brings these people in
1: but i mean i don't uh, know if we really need to see it i mean we just we get it right i mean she right. just did something and whether she did some mojo with her eye or just, I mean, you see with the teacher that she just really struck a chord with her, you know, like it doesn't seem there's anything really incredibly supernatural going on. She just like her force of personality just kind of struck the teacher and, and made a, let's, let's call it what it is disciple out of her.
0: You know what we, have to come to grips with where has she been? What has she been doing for seven years? Because she's, she's put together this disparate group. And I mean, number one, we have to try to understand what is it that brings these seven together? You mentioned the teacher, Mrs. Broderick Allen, right? But, but then you've got Steve, the bully and drug dealer.
1: Yeah. It's all around a hole. I think we should. Call You've
0: got him. Buck, who's, you know, a transgender youth. Yeah. Did, did, did we really get that in the first episode? I'm not sure if we get it in the first, but I, I think you kind of get so, it.
1: Good thing I already watched the second. You just wouldn't spoil that shit, did well, you? Well, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, because, we, like, in the second episode, I mean, they, they make it clear because, and I might have just missed something in the first, but I thought that it was. I mean, I, I thought like physically it was a boy and everything, you know. But we find out it's a, a transgender kid. So, right? I, I didn't get that in the first episode. Right? It's a, a a girl that wants to be
0: a boy or that feels she's a boy. So right. uh, then we've got Jesse, who I, I'm just going to call him Jesse the Stoner. <laughs> I don't know what else yeah. to call him
1: because we, well, we don't get a lot about these guys in like the like like you said, like why do they show up? I don't know. You know, they're like four five completely different people we don't really get a lot on them in that first episode there's almost zero character development for those five at first right yeah right they, and but, then they all show up right but we, so 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 far we've got the bully and drug dealer yep
0: the transgender kid the stoner yep. and then the fifth member is french the smart kid that Lax has Pro. just That has exactly that's just earned a a scholarship. So, not just that, that's episode two as well. Okay. Well, you know, the interesting (laughs) thing, I guess, is always how do you handle shows that appear on Netflix where the entire series drops at once when very few people probably watch one episode and stop? Sure. Sure. They might not binge all eight, but most people, at least all the people I know with Netflix, they they don't stop at 1 when they, when they first start so yeah right.
1: well, and and is that even are episodes even like relevant anymore i guess you know like it's just a way i guess to to break it up yeah i mean know, is
0: um, i mean it's really an 8 hour movie
1: right but though with this particular episode they make a definite timing Effect that they have here.
0: What do you mean by
1: that? Like, we get an hour into it, right? Before we get the title sequence. Yes. You know, and they definitely end it. Like, I watched episode two, despite not even really liking most of episode one, cursing you for picking it. And then all of a sudden at the end, like they, it just completely flips around and then I'm like, you know what? I want to watch episode two now. Yeah. You know? Well, it's So I think, oh, I'm God. I'm just saying, I think that that, that format of using an episode with a cliffhanger at the end and they actually toying with the actual, you know, the format of how an episode would go. Um, I think it really worked for for, for this one. Well, you
0: know, the interesting thing you mentioned, actually, it's the 57-minute mark. And the reason I know that is because I was watching uh, an interview with the two creators, and one of the the things that he felt no other network would have enabled him to do this, which was put the credits at the 57-minute mark. Because apparently the Screen Actors Guild fought them tooth and nail about doing that now i don't know what difference it makes where the credits go but apparently that's something that's negotiated into the union contract and so i don't know if netflix said you know what screw you we're letting them do it but but that was something they fought for but as you said you think we're getting to the end and not
1: quite yeah well i mean it's just it's jarring like all of a sudden i'm like Like WTF? Like what's going on? Did did Netflix just reset on me or something? Did did it start me in the middle of the episode and now all of a sudden the like my blue is my Blu-ray player screwed up? Like what's going on? And they say, okay, well maybe they're just this is just the end. But oh no, there's still like ten minutes left after that, you know. So like it's not even we put the credits at the end. It's like we put them. About uh, five, six of the way through the the, the, the episode, you
0: know, right? Because it I think it's crazy. Yeah, I think it's an hour and eleven minutes. So, like you said, yes. it's another fifteen so minutes six to cents. go. Yeah, but I, really uh, I mean, it certainly throws our worldview for a little bit of a spin. Which, once you get into the series, okay, then that, that
1: that makes some sense, right? But it's to me, it's like a declaration, like, hey. This series is different from anything you've ever seen. Here you go. Look at this. We're putting the the, the opening credits an hour into the show. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and it's jarring. Like You're sitting there st- literally trying to figure out what the hell is going on before I can kind of settle back in for the last you know, 10, 15 minutes of the episode. It's just I've been thrown for a loop so much, you know? All right, the
0: the last thing I want to just bring up before we start talking about the episode, you know, in a more detailed format is that request or maybe even a demand that each of the five leave their front doors open because you have to invite me in. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, isn't that the deal with vampires? Right right i mean a vampire can't go into someone's home unless they're invited in i mean that's the well that's what they say in the lost boys at least well that's what they say in in a, a lot of vampire shows okay so i think that's you know become part of you know the rule of vampires if you will so i i don't certainly think this is about vampires and well i mean i know it's not and i didn't at this point i certainly didn't think that but i i did find it interesting so all right well you you already mentioned a little bit about the opening scene so we see this vision that has certainly become commonplace in 2017 and that is iphone footage although i guess it could be any kind of a smartphone of a woman Running across, you know, a four-lane highway and jumping off a bridge during what appears to be rush hour, right? And okay, so right away, who is she? Why is she jumping off the bridge? And why is somebody just simply filming it rather than trying to stop her? But, because
1: that's what that's where we are now, exactly.
0: Which I think is, you know, maybe it's not the principal commentary of this show but certainly a commentary but then we find out she survives wakes up in the hospital and that scene where the nurse is trying to find some information about her because she clearly did not have any id on her asks her her name and she tells her i'm the oa and right right away i mean i had no idea what the title of the show meant and still at this point, all right, what's the OA? What does that mean? And you start trying to think, all right, what could the O and the A stand for? We eventually learn it. I'm certainly not going to tell you. But at this point, all right, she seems reasonably uh, aware, certainly of her surroundings. All right, uh, I'll, I'll keep going. What happens is, I don't know if it's the uh, her mother's sister somebody calls her on the phone and says, hey, you gotta go to YouTube. And I, I, what does she say? I know what YouTube is. I, feel like right. I, I had that conversation with my mother uh, <laughs> 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 um, actually I had to ask her did she know what Netflix was? <laughs> she right, did. Right. So way to go, mom. So, you know, somebody she knows calls her, tells her to go on YouTube. I sent you a link. Look at the link. And it's the footage that this person shot in in the opening scene. And they recognize that it is, in fact, their daughter who's been missing for seven years.
1: But at the point, we don't know any of this. So, really, it's just like a woman gets a phone call. She goes to her computer. She watches the video, drops the phone. And so we're like, okay, so clearly there's some relationship here, but we don't have really, we don't at this point know what it is. So
0: exactly. And then the, the parents go to the hospital and the first thing that happens when they walk into her room is she says, who are these people? Right. Right. Okay. We're thinking amnesia. Mother looks a little taken aback. Or just
1: a kid or, you know, like or she's been abducted by aliens or she's just super pissed at her parents. Right. But her mother,
0: you know, just kind of rolls with it, walks up close to her. And I think she's already established with the nurse about the no touching. Yes. Right. right. And yeah, but this woman goes very slowly, takes her hand and puts it on the mother's face. Yeah. And then the recognition of mom. And we learned that when she disappeared seven years prior, she was blind. But now she can see. Yeah. So, like,
1: all kinds of things just come crashing home all at once. Like, A, she's, like, when we first see her, and, oh, that's her mom. Like, she's been, okay, she's been missing, what, seven years she's been gone? Wow. Oh, and she was blind before? Like, there's just a lot to process all at once. Yeah. And, you know, we learn her name, Prairie
0: Johnson, You know, you mentioned a lot to process. Well, when they arrive home, I I mean, I I guess I thought, all right, that that's one of those leaps I'm willing to make. I mean, I know it's a big deal. I I know, I guess when Elizabeth Smart disappeared, uh, gosh, that's been what ten years at least now, uh, and then was found. I guess that was a pretty big media deal, but it just seemed like the media was onto this awfully darn quickly to have that many uh, reporters. But despite that, she seems pretty happy to be able to see which, okay, which then leads us, well, did she regain her sight? You know, when, I mean, it certainly appeared when we see her running across that road that she can see. Sure. So I I, I don't know, but (laughs) there are, A number of things, and this is a show, now it sounds like you might not be up for this, but I certainly am, and that is a rewatch because there are so many clues that are dropped along the way that, I mean, I think we've watched enough television seriously and, and analyzed enough that, you know, we know when a particular piece of dialogue is meaningful and is probably foreshadowing to a certain extent. So, so we get that. But when those law enforcement officers are interviewing her about the details of of her disappearance, and she goes through that whole thing about an old woman in a dusty car, picked me up to give me a ride. And she's not really telling them anything. And then she says, we all died more times than I could count. Right. And I'm thinking all right. Well, that's clearly important because the use of the uh, plural pronoun we tells us Right. Yeah, a it's lot. not you're right, it's not I, it's we, right? Yeah, good. So, unlike Elizabeth Smart, uh, as far as I remember, you know, it was, you know, just her that was abducted, but here, you know, I mean it could mean anything because we don't really know that she was abducted, we just know she disappeared. Okay, so we, we're we're thinking at this point, okay, died more times than I could count. All right, is it literally, probably yeah. emotionally, right, figuratively, metaphorically, whatever. But regardless, we're we're certainly aware that that's a meaningful statement. And then when she says that she was trying to get back to them, well. Okay. Now we're wondering, well, was she even taken? Because somebody that was abducted, I, I understand that it, it takes a toll emotionally and psychologically, but I sure. don't think most people would then want to return to their abductor. So,
1: Well, I mean, there, you know, unless there's some Stockholm syndrome going on here, you know? Well, that could be. This yeah, was I, my I, first kind of thought. But right. then, I mean, we, we start to see pretty soon – that it's clearly more than, than, than There's no simple explanation for what's going on here, you know. The girl was blind and now she's not. She left and she was gone for seven years. Okay, well that that begs some questioning, you know. So there's all kinds of things. We're, we're just it doesn't seem as cut and dry as our like you said, like Elizabeth Smart, you know, kidnapped, held for a while, found, reunited with family. But none of that's really happening here.
0: No. And, and I mean, when she says the word Homer and coupled with the fact that we died more times than we could count and I want to get back to them, well, is Homer part of that we and part of that them? And she logs onto a computer but needs a password to connect to the internet. And, and once I... Forget about the part where I'm thinking. Well, why doesn't she just ask her parents for the password? She clearly knows how
1: to use a computer, right? Which then well, raises at first. The I'm coin. like, why is the computer talking? I'm like, oh yeah, she was blind, right? Okay,
0: right. So she's rummaged around the desk looking for a password, finds that video camera. So you know she knows how to use a computer, and as you said, she's had hers set up, and and certainly one of the first things I noticed because we're trying to put a a time stamp on when this is taking place. And and one of the things you can always use is the technology. And I'm looking at that computer. I'm like, that's like a 2004 Mac. They had the, you know, that was out for like a year. And then I'm thinking, well, yeah, but somebody filming with a smartphone, that's relatively recent. Yes. So then you know then when we find out the computer was just set up you know for her with the you know with the uh voice controls and it that certainly makes sense but her mother you know i I guess won't give her the password the two go for a walk at night and it's like the, you know the, it's the first time the two of them are alone and you know we wonder how much she's going to tell her mother who clearly question number one, how is it that you can see, almost even before, yeah. where have you
1: been? Right. So and, uh, so you, you're, you're seeing now, yeah. huh? That's new. Right. And she won't say, or
0: we have to consider she doesn't know.
1: Well, I don't think that's a thing, but I don't know. It could be. But, but I really don't think. I think she seems like she's just holding – A lot back and she keeps telling her mom that it's like kind of for her own good and that she wouldn't believe her and things like that that might be true but i guess that's the probably the main thing about the oa the girl not the show that bothered me was how like i don't know she seemed i don't know if it's selfish is the word like her parents have been dying for seven years she's been missing they find her again and like all she's worried about is like getting her password back for her internet you know she emotionally she's distant she does let her parents touch her she stays in her room and it's like i mean granted a lot of this we maybe can chalk up to she was just in captivity she has experienced trauma but it just seems like more than that it seems like she's making this calculated everything she does seems very calculated
0: Well, I I agree. And I agree with everything you said about how she is treating her parents and what she's allowing them to know and and see about her. But in in terms of the computer, you said all she wants to do is get her password and get on the computer. But it has something to do. and, And maybe this is not an excuse, but it does have something to do with Homer or them, the we that she was part of. I mean, it seemed as if she had a specific purpose rather than just getting on and, you know, seeing what's for sale on eBay.
1: No, I absolutely agree, you know. um, And like I said, you know, everything she does is calculated. Everything she does is for a reason, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, and it all seems very focused on this idea of getting back to something.
0: Now, while she and her mother are out for the walk, she sees those two guys on top of a house doing stunts and, and filming it. And we we later learn that that's Steve and Jesse. And then the next scene, and you know, the interesting thing is, as we're sitting here talking and, and obviously I've seen all eight episodes, but the notes I'm using, I made when I only saw one episode. So some of my reactions that that I've gotten in the notes are from, you know, when I, didn't know everything that was going to happen. Now I added some things in. So for instance, we we cut to that scene
1: with Steve and his girlfriend, Jay yeah, having sex. Harsh. I mean, go from, I mean, like a very slow moving and all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, there's just two people having sex. At first I thought this scene was more
0: gratuitous than not, but having seen the entire series, it most definitely establishes a side of Steve that will unfold organically throughout the rest of the the series. So, yeah, when, he's a complete a-hole. Well, you know, he
1: punches a hole in the wall after she leaves. Yeah. And
0: well, she goes
1: like she offers to, you know, do something for him and he seems to be worried that she might be bleeding on him. Right. It's like, dude. Well,
0: I, but it it more stems from the fact that he wants, to, I mean, you know, turn things around for, uh, in terms of a non traditional sense. He's the one that wants to cuddle after sex. She wants to get dressed and go do whatever she wants to do. Yeah. And, and it's as if he wants her to be his girlfriend. And she's like, dude, we're just, you know, it's just friends with benefits. Right. So, uh, I'm just going to pretty it much that. every
1: other guy would just like, that would be the ideal relationship, right? Yeah. Like yeah. very few guys say, Oh no, I don't like this arrangement. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then we go to that scene where Prairie's recording a video message for Homer telling him she didn't leave him behind. So again, all of these little pieces that are, that are being dished out, Uh, Of course, her mother won't give her the Internet password because the hospital's doctor advised them, uh, the parents not to. So she can't actually send this message. And I mean, I guess you could argue that she jumped off a bridge. It's a reasonable assessment that this is somebody that at least was suicidal at that point. And we haven't talked about the scars on her back. Right. Which I don't think we see, but we hear about, right? we, because we they, see them just a glance.
1: Yeah, is it in this one or the next one? I can't. But yeah, but we see like a glance that they're like like Greek letters, right?
0: Well, sort of, but okay. but either way, the hospital tells the parents that they're very disturbing to look at. You know, as if warning them uh, about that. So. Uh, again i think it's a reasonable uh, request that the hospital makes of the parents to try to keep her off the internet so I, you know I, i'm not going to you know go there but a- again at this point the assumption is she was kidnapped but it's beginning to be not quite as clear as we thought and then she goes to that unfinished house in the neighborhood and finds a bunch of bunch of kids using their phones all right now uh, we talk all the time it's like all right come on really so why aren't these kids in school are a bunch of kids really going to hang out in an abandoned house and surf yeah. the internet on their phones when they can get free internet at school for crying out loud yeah. and don't have to use their data. Right. <laughs> but when she asks one for his Wi-Fi password, I think that, I think what that does, it just shows how out of touch that she really is because you know, the, the, clearly, smartphones were probably not around when she went missing.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: likely. Okay. But she finds somebody t- sends her upstairs uh, and finds Steve dealing drugs, and that scene where he, he finally has enough and tells his dog to attack her. I'm thinking, like, wow, dude, we already knew yeah. you were an asshole, but right, but when. She bites the dog yeah. to calm it down. I mean, she really establishes herself as a bit of a badass.
1: Yeah, yeah. But well, certainly more- she takes alpha, uh, you know, like she's literally taking the alpha position over the dog. And pretty much, it's almost like she just, you know, went and just pissed on all their feet because she's established her alphaness over everyone in that room.
0: Yeah. And- including
1: Steve. Who, before I knew his name, I just referred to him as Little Bitch Boy. Because he's just a little bitch.
0: Well, yeah, but in addition to all that, it just reinforces the enigma that she had already been, you know, tenfold. Right. But as we learn later in the episode, Steve is not as dense as he appears because, obviously, this scene leads to his proposal of an alliance later on. We'll get to that in a few minutes. So, you know, mom's helping her clean the dog bites and she tells her not to call her Prairie. And she talks about, you know, when she was a child that she would get overconfident when she was learning to use a cane too fast, too soon. And obviously mom is trying to reconnect. And one of the things that that really comes out in this series is how we feel about the different characters and it just changes so much. And even when you get to the end and you feel like you feel a certain way about a character, when you continue to think about it, well, maybe I'm wrong. And, and mom is certainly one of those characters that, that it, it changes a number of times, but she tells her mother, it would hurt me to hurt you to basically tell you where I've been for seven
1: years. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's true, but also seems like kind of a cop-out, you know? Well, yeah. You know, it's not you, it's me routine.
0: Well, sure, right. But we've got to leave that alone. I mean, that's, that's you know, you, you mentioned calculating. I, I think this is part of the calculation. Uh, we don't really know why at this point. But getting back to Steve because a lot of this first episode is really Steve and the OA. Right. And when he and his girlfriend had had finished having sex and she was getting dressed and, and she's trying to like, look, dude, it's casual, you know? And he's like, well, is there somebody you're interested in? Yeah. This guy in choir. And again, we've seen enough TV to know where this is headed. Right. And unfortunately it heads there. And despite the kid, being totally aware that that this is some kind of setup, and I want to get out of here as fast as I can, punches him in the throat, yeah, which we later
1: learn lacerates his trachea or whatever yeah. um he's just such an asshole man, and like I, and I get that's they did this purposely like they want us to be really completely repulsed by little bitch boy at this point. Right, we want to be disgusted with him and think he's just a complete asshole in every way. He goes after some poor choir kid and punches him in the throat. You know, he's just just the worst. Yeah, in I mean, every you punch way possible.
0: Your, right, I mean, you punch him in the eye, he can still sing.
1: Right, but well, he can still live. Like you punch him in the throat, he could you could crush his trachea. Like. Well, It's just such a cheap shot, you know. Like, there's no warning. There's no like, come on, let's let's go, let's fight you or anything. Just out of nowhere, hauls off and punches a kid in the throat. It's just such, uh, just so so weak and spineless and cowardly, you know. Well, Well, right. And then how
0: these little details are are parceled out to us, we we then see the OA filming a dollhouse, which does turn out to be significant. But you know, as she's doing that, all of a sudden, Steve climbs up to her window, and we're thinking like, oh, okay, we just saw him crush this guy's yeah.
1: trachea Well, and we saw him boning before too.
0: Well, true, but he's got a wireless router and a proposal that they help each other out, and he brings up that movie. What was it uh I forget murder on a train or something but but basically, I'll commit your crime, you commit my crime. There's nothing to tie us together." Right. And she agrees. But she tells him she needs five strong guys and he wants her to help him get out of going to a military school because his parents have, have, I guess, reached the uh, end of their rope and they are ready for an intervention uh, of some kind. And he's trying to basically delay that. Now, uh, then we see them shopping for clothes and I'm thinking like, what the hell? (laughs) yeah okay he has sex with this girl he wants to cuddle crushes this guy's trachea uh, offers her a deal and it turns out he's helping her shop for clothes which is not what i thought it was at first but then talks to him about developing his invisible self and it's it's kind of really the first time she talks about something that's yeah, may, may be difficult to grasp, certainly in, in the reality as we know it. I mean, what is an invisible self? I mean, is it that, that self that's inside us that nobody else sees? I mean, I guess,
1: right? Well, yeah. Well, I think there's also, even you don't see your invisible. Like Steve doesn't see his invisible self. Like the invisible self is invisible completely to everyone. And there's, a, you know, maybe this is the difference between Prairie and the OA is the OA, the invisible self of Prairie, right? Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and he, as she's trying on the clothes and and we start to piece together, uh, he says something, you're going to have to have grown up hair or something that, ah, he's going to get her to pose as his mother. Okay. So that starts to become clear, but he looks in the dressing room and he sees her scars
1: that's right. That's where we see the scars, right?
0: Right, and coupled with the fact that she basically bit his—I don't think it was a, a pit bull. I think it was maybe a, a Rottweiler. Rottweiler. Yeah, it was a Rottweiler. Know, yeah, still, so he—he's got a certain level of respect for her, I think, and and seeing those scars has to—I mean, really, what is he thinking that this girl yeah. was in a
1: gang, or I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Well, and there's here is where maybe it changes a little bit how we feel about Steve. And I'll now start calling him Steve again. Okay. Because A, he turns his back when she's changing, which we wouldn't expect from someone as depraved and as much of an asshole as he is, we would think he would be sitting there trying to catch a a peep as she's getting changed. But he doesn't. He turns his back. He does. I can't remember why he turns around. It's, It's not to peep on her. He just, he turns around and sees her scars. It's like, I think this is the point where he calls her the OA. So he's the first person to call her the name that she wants to be called by. Right. So, you know, we, we, I still think he's an asshole, but maybe there's, and, and this is what you said before, where there's more to these characters than like meets the eye. Right, and at this point, certainly one of the things that we have to wonder
0: about him, and we wonder about you know characters like him, does the possibility for redemption even exist, or is he so bad that there is no hope? And I think, as you allude, this is our little little sparkle of of maybe there's hope, maybe there's something more here, but but he's got a lot more to do to convince us that he is redeemable right but, absolutely. but but we are right he wants her to pose as his stepmother and it is a parent teacher conference with mrs broderick allen and she's asking for his it's immediate
1: from picks- the office by the way
0: oh you're right god yeah. i you know it's funny I, i'm thinking all right she looks familiar but exactly yeah. but she lost right. a lot of weight too so all right well posing as a stepmother i mean she immediately turns the table on the teacher right yeah it's never the ki- never the kid's fault the-
1: right right i mean like just as a teacher watch this you're just like come on man and, and you're starting to wonder all
0: right is she this perceptive because she keeps going and it starts telling the teacher that you know i think you lost something or someone you know why did you become a teacher And even after learning that Steve lacerated that kid's trachea, she still tries to turn it on the teacher that the teacher has lost her way. Right. And it's her fault that Steve's disruptive. And I'm thinking like, damn, this girl's good.
1: Yeah, she should move to Clarksville.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and the conference is over. And the teacher asks her her name.
1: I'm the OA. I'm the OA, yeah. So... All right, so, I mean, obviously I know as you, as someone in the biz, you get really kind of fed up with these cliches that teachers are lazy and they don't care about their kids and they all are just callous people who were idealistic at one time, but embittered individuals who now just want to make teenagers' lives miserable. And that's just like, you just get so sick of that effing stereotype of a teacher, but Though in that, she did reveal a truism in that. Which is, I think I know what you're going to say. That a kid like Steve needs her help way more than the, you know, all AP straight A kid who he punched, you know, which is a weird way of thinking of it. But in this, you know, it's kind of true. Like a, a lot of those kids, the kids who act up the most are the kids who really need the most like, you know, love. They might not respond to that, but they're often the kids who really need it the most. You know, well,
0: you sure, know and, right. Yeah. Right, and unfortunately, not all teachers are able to handle that sort of a situation and that type of a kid successfully. And and you know, maybe it's just in, instinctively these teachers know that I can't
1: handle it. So what's my answer? Get them out of my class. Yeah, and- well, that was the other thing. She's like, I'm having your child expelled. It's like, you can't do that. Like, that's not even close to your jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but- Like, I'm going to write up a, an expulsion report for you. I'm going to get you kicked out of schools entirely because you're an asshole in my class. Like, come on. Okay, but
0: the one thing I will throw out there that, I mean, I mean it's not really a spoiler, but in hindsight, I mean, it's difficult at this point I don't feel caring
1: for the word "really" in that sentence. Dave.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's difficult to feel anything other than revulsion for him, given what we've seen him do. But I, I think we come to learn there's a certain desperation in Steve, and maybe we say, "I don't care, you're a dick." Yeah. But right. but I, I think it is there, and I'll just leave it leave it there for now. So so we see OA walking home from the meeting, and and she seems pretty pleased and happy with herself. And then that's when we learn about Homer Roberts, who has a near-death experience after uh, a football accident. I'm not sure. Was he a college football player or a high school? I'm not sure. Uh, College. Okay. But he wakes up, and she's watching the YouTube video of Homer waking up and talking to the press and she's upset because she apparently doesn't know where he is, meaning Homer. Right. So, so now we're starting to, you know, get into this, uh, you know, reality question that that you know not only she's having, but now we're having. And I'll just say it will continue. And it's at this point her mom tells her the FBI is on the phone. Now her mom doesn't say, "Hey, what are you doing on the internet." hands her the phone and it's actually steve so uh okay yeah he's a bad guy he knows how to get around the the parental units reminds him she needs five guys tonight midnight at the abandoned house and he's at first a little reluctant to keep his end of the bar hey i got you the router i think we're even right she's like no
1: <laughs> tonight well right and she doesn't like really take no for an answer right she's just like you you'll you'll be there and of course all good schemes
0: have to face a few bumps in the road so yeah. when uh, the teacher runs into steve's parents in the grocery store the charades now out in the open right and- so
1: she knows what his dad looks like but not his mom apparently right right so yeah that doesn't really strike home very well but well anyway.
0: but it's but
1: it's a stepmom i, I, I know I, but yeah you know, like this doesn't look like it's a very big town so you know okay I, I, i'm just saying all right well
0: she uploads a video to youtube uh you know some sort of message for someone out there to see i guess we're, we're wondering at this point and it, it, it's interesting when steve's confronted with what exactly happens i mean he tells the truth that you know she did what i asked her to do i mean it doesn't make it right i mean
1: right uh, well it just seems like he kind of threw her under the bus a little bit but then we see it seems like he just told the truth of what happened and his parents ran with it like oh she this was her idea she was manipulating our son Right, and he tells them that's not the case. Like it was my idea; I wanted her to do it, right?
0: And, and then we see the scene uh, of Mrs. Broderick Allen. I'm going to say they end up calling her BBA. Her first name's Betty. Oh, right. So, yeah, which I love. You know, I love it's, BBA. It's,
1: well, it's so funny that you use that because in the leftovers podcast and post show recaps with Josh and Antonio, they they use BBA to refer to the guy in the first season who was. The who they call him the big bald asshole, the guy who was going around <laughs> shooting the dogs. You remember? Oh yeah. Oh right,
0: in the pickup truck.
1: Yeah. So yeah. when you said BBA, I was just like, I was like, what? Because okay. <laughs> because they referred to him by that like for all three seasons of of that podcast. So anyway,
0: all right. Well, BBA, Google's the OA, and that video comes up, and it's almost as soon as it comes up, she shuts her laptop. So I, I think the assumption is she certainly goes back to it at some point. But in the video, she says, I need help to cross a border that's hard to define. Says yeah. she can't change fate, but can help face it. And then tells them, leave your front door open. You have to invite me in. All things that we know are going to be important down the road, but what the heck they mean at we this point. have no
1: idea what they mean at this point, especially the leaving the door open, as you mentioned before. Right. That's totally but, weird.
0: Right. But that crossing a border that's hard to define, I mean, enough clues that we have to start thinking a little bit that, uh, all right, are we talking about another dimension? I mean, is this the multiverse theory or parallel reality or – you know, something, but it's 1220 and she's alone in the house. Nobody's shown up. And, and I mean, certainly we felt sympathy for OA at this point, but because we know so little about her true story, you know, it's almost as if we don't want to bond with her yet.
1: Yeah. Like I said, at this point, I'm really having trouble bonding with any of these characters, honestly. Yeah. You know, the teacher's weird. Steve is an asshole. You know, Prairie is distant and not very nice to her parents. You know, probably the most sympathetic character is her dad, who played uh, Herschel on The Walking Dead. You know, he's, you know, I think in, in the first episode, probably the most sympathetic, empathetic character in there like i'm just not feeling any of these characters at this point at at this point i am really not enjoying the oa okay but it changes it changes well all right so
0: jay is driving in her car she finds steve walking and drinking alone with his dog and i i guess it's that part when she actually confronts him dude you're drinking alone with your dog get in (laughs) and and she tells him that their sex life is just practice for her, for
1: when she falls in love. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I don't of know. Of course, what the guy the... she falls in love with might be like, "Hey, why are you so good at sex? This is ridiculous."
0: Well, I understand Boy, that, but, but this is, despite everything we know about him, that's not really what he wants to hear. And you might argue, it's like, well, you know, most. Sixteen or seventeen year old boys would well, love to hear well, that.
1: I would say that, but I wouldn't argue that because I totally agree with you. Like Steve, he he wants her to be his girlfriend. You're right. Yes. He doesn't right. want just a sexual relationship. He doesn't want just to hook up. You know, he wants right. an actual emotional connection, really, with anyone. And again, now here the cracks in the armor start to appear a little bit. So maybe I'm starting to be a little bit more sympathetic towards Steve. At right. This point. And, and she takes him home, takes his dog
0: in, leaves his front door open, and then heads for the abandoned house. But we get there, and he's only got four. And she says, well, you need five. And he's like, well, you're the fifth. She says, no. Then, yeah, you know, I said, I've, I
1: need five. Not counting me, jerk. Get it right. together.
0: She needs to go somewhere. She tells them which okay, and then a fifth person we can hear coming up the steps, and it's the teacher. And she says, "I left my door open." And I'm thinking like of all the people I expected to come up those steps, she was at the bottom of the list. Really? So what is that? What does I that knew tell she us? was.
1: I knew it was her. Wow. I knew she was the last person. And
0: I think this is the point where the credits start rolling. Yes. And then what which we're is left like with, boom. That's and, like. Well, right. But now says, What's what we're left on? with a, a, in the last 14 minutes or so is the OA's origin story. And she tells them, and this becomes a principal uh, aspect of the narrative device, you know, moving forward. She tells them to close their eyes and starts telling them a story. I was born in Russia in 1987. And I think one of them might even snicker. And I'm thinking, like, wait a minute, why are you snickering? It's not, did she say 1887? No, she said 1987.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I thought the same thing. Like, why are they laughing at that?
0: Says her name is Nina and begins telling them her story and how she lost her sight in the first place. So visually now we're in Russia during the winter. Credits are rolling. Tells them she grew up with the rich and powerful and that her father you know, was, was one of these men that, that made a fortune when, you know, the communist regime fell around that time. And again, I think what a lot of us know is that a lot of these men that, that made a fortune did it uh, perhaps less than legally, let's say. Right. But her mother died in childbirth, but it's the dreams that she had as a child that become important. And she goes to her father, waking up from a bad dream. Her nose is bleeding, and, and and that's one of the first things I found interesting. That she interrupts a business meeting, and her father's reaction is, uh, "We'll reschedule the meeting," and he takes care of his daughter. Right, right. Which is which is not what I expected. So yeah. so that was certainly it's a pretty uh, cool. Dad. Yeah, and tells her we're going to get rid of your nightmares. This is not so cool. Well, you know, it's one of those things. It seems to be effective. Drives out to a desolate area, frozen pond and lake. She's walking barefoot in her pajamas. He's already punched a hole in the ice. And we're like, dude, what are you? Yeah. (laughs) But she saw it and and tells the group that it was her father teaching her about bravery and the dreams never returned. and. And we're thinking, okay, this is not an abusive father. I mean, this is a father that spends time with his daughter, loves her. Uh, and then on the way to school, I think she she says that it's basically all the affluent kids are picked up. And I think she was first on the bus route. And suddenly the bus plunges over the bridge and into the icy water, trapping the kids on the bus. Right. She is the only one that escapes. Finds an open window and swims out, and then we find out that we were a message to our parents from the Voy, which I guess were organized crime in Russia at the time. You are not all powerful, and everybody died, including
1: me. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, I just need to say that, as evidenced by Nina's father, that the Russians are are harsh. Man, they're the hardcore. You know, like you're having. Nightmares of drowning. Here, I'm going to have you sit in this freezing cold water. That that'll get you. And then afterwards, like the raw egg shake. Oh yeah, uh, you know it's like, man, these, they, these this is some hardcore. This is a hardcore dude right here. Well,
0: right, but then you wonder because as she says, everybody died, including me. And we see that scene where she's pulled into another dimension by. Now, I'll I'll say an Arabic woman, because as I've said many times uh, on these podcasts, I watch virtually everything with closed captioning on. So it says woman speaking in Arabic. Okay. Who asks her if she wants to stay. And when Nina says she wants to go back, the woman says, well, that's fine, but I'm going to take your eyes. So you don't see the horrors ahead. So that obviously our question is, who is this woman? I mean, is
1: this... is this God? Well, it's this crazy place with lights all around and everything. It's just like,
0: well, well I understand once you get that.
1: that. Well, I am just I'm saying, saying it's, dead. It's, it's just, it's just, it's,
0: it's crazy. So she washes up on shore, More into crazy. her father's arms, yeah, and is now blind. Yes, and and that's what we're left with at the end of episode one. So I, I think certainly, uh, the the question remains she says she died in this bus accident as a child we see her in between of this life and the afterlife if you will i don't know what else to call it Uh, we also learn that she tells i forget if it's her parents that we all died many times which seems to refer to that seven year period when she's been missing so something about death and returning from death—is that what the other dimension is all about? Is that what she wants to return to? It's like, yeah, I don't know how anybody could stop after. I mean, I I know I can see some people that didn't make it to the end of the episode. I could see that happening, but if you made it to the end, I think most people are going to going to go beyond. So, yeah, I just I I just got to say, I mean, I hope you continue. Uh, I hope you make it through so that we could talk about the ending, because the ending of the series is about as divisive an ending as, I would say, the maybe even more so than the ending to Lost, which wow. I know a lot of people hated. That I, I is, liked
1: it. That is about as divisive an ending as there ever that I can yeah. think of.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Battlestar Galactica ending, I don't think was as much divisive as huh <laughs> you know right. The, the, right. but but this I can see somebody's getting to this point seeing this ending and saying are you effing kidding me <laughs> and I can see somebody sitting there with tears streaming down their cheeks right and I'll just say I was the latter uh, and and yeah dude I'm telling you it, it's i but again, I, I guess it's it's whatever your perspective is. So, you know, are you a cold hearted son of a bitch, or are you, you know? All right, so
1: we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out.
0: Anyway, uh, anything else you want to bring up about this one? I mean, I, I think it's obvious. I, I love this show. I, I I think it is one of the most. I, I'm gonna go out on a limb. One of the most important series to appear in quite a while because it's so different. Wow
1: okay Um, i mean it's i mean
0: it certainly you know includes elements that a show like lost used with flashbacks telling a story and and a certain level of metaphysical details to it but but the question you know becomes i don't even want to i don't want to throw that question out there yet so i'll I'll shut up at
1: this point yeah don't do that yeah like i said i mean I'll, i'll be honest I was not loving this show for most of it, and then, like right at that fifty-seven minute mark, is it all flipped around? Now it finished strong. It was compelling. Now I was really interested, and it enough so that I went and you know watched the next episode because you know I wanted to see what, what what's going to happen next. So you know, I guess I'll probably. Uh, you know, we only got a three day week this week, so I can probably finish out the, uh, the, the last five. Well, you can um, knock out
0: three and four tonight. I mean, it's only nine 17. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I made
1: a concerted effort to get to bed earlier this year, but yeah, I okay. might have to do that though. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, especially on your recommendation that, uh, you know, uh, I'll have to, uh, now, now I'm definitely intrigued. Okay. Sounds good and, and there was so. enough happened in the second episode to further along the story right i mean I, just, I guess the, the the problem I have with the first one is just it was so slow and so pla i didn't like like as i said i didn't like any of these characters really but uh but now that in the second episode we start to develop these characters more, and we feel like we find out more about about Buck and about French. Uh, you know, like now I'm starting to like these characters and care about these characters more. So we'll let's see I, where I it think, goes.
0: Yeah, you know, because when you start to to examine what is it that draws them together, I mean, certainly Steve is, is a troubled young man. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, it doesn't excuse his actions, but clearly this kid is suffering. French, on the surface, he's that kid that gets... All A's. He's got a scholarship, but but you know we learned that his home life is far and less, less yeah. than
1: ideal. Yeah. And, and, and he was. I mean, the thing is, all these kids were in there buying drugs, right? Well, that's certainly what it would seem. I mean, the
0: the guy uh, that that I referred to as the stoner. I mean, uh, we do. I don't think we do see it in the first two episodes, but we do learn. You know that that he's really. Coping with more than a high school kid should have to cope with on his own. So I'll just say that, and then, and then of course, Buck is is struggling with his sexual identity. So, so you know, he's certainly. Well, uh, I think he's. In, I think
1: he's struggling at being accepted for. It. I don't think he's struggling with his identity. I think he seems pretty solid oh, in yeah, his yeah, identity. Yeah. I think he's just struggling for acceptance.
0: Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and, and then of course the teacher. You know the fact that she buys into what yeah. the OA is selling, sure, leads us to believe that the OA was right about the teacher having lost something, right. So there, there's something that that you know. I I just love this. Uh, I mean, it's sort of like uh, the sci-fi genre version of the Breakfast Club.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right, right. That's a good. I like that. I like that. So, all right, well, let's leave it at that. Okay.
0: <laughs> Unless you got anything else you want to bring up.
1: Oh, well, okay. Actually, let me say this one thing because I found this. Cause so, you know, she's an adult, right? Like, so she was born in 87. So that means she's 30 years old, right? Yep. And, um, you know, her parents take her door off of her room and then to sneak out, she like, you know, shoves. You know, I guess it was the wig that she bought, and with pillows to make it look like she sleep. So it's all this like juvenile stuff, you know, sure. that yeah. that happens to you when you're a teenager is kind of happening to her now. So, right, because unlike Elizabeth Smart, who was taken as a child,
0: she disappeared at the age of twenty three. Right. Well, we will leave it there and and obviously next week we're going to be taking a 360 and and return to the world of the federation but want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you guys think about dollhouse the oa anything else in genre tv encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community and certainly feel free to spread the word anybody can join anybody up emails to scifi fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week to talk about the return of the federation to cbs as we look at the premiere of star trek discovery but until then
1: you dave i don't have to tell you shit and you don't have to tell me shit okay
0: okay